Hello and welcome to Bluegrass Stories with Katie Daly and me. I'm Howard Parker. The Stoneman family were literally a force of nature in country and bluegrass music going back to 1924 when Ernest V. Stoneman, better known today as Pop Stoneman, recorded Sinking of the Titanic for OK Records. Pop and his wife Hattie Froststoman had 23 children over the years, with only 13 making it to adulthood. Times were beyond tough. In 1947, Pop and a bunch of the kids, then called the Bluegrass Champs, entered and won a band contest in Washington, D.C.'s Constitution Hall. In 1956, the Champs continued their run with successful appearances on the NBC TV The Big Surprise and the Arthur Godfrey Talent Scout shows. Moving to Nashville in the 60s, the Bluegrass Champs eventually became the Stoneman family, or the Stonemans, and had a successful recording and performance career. In 1967, the band won the Country Music Association's Vocal Group of the Year Award and also appeared in a number of movies. Pop Stoneman was inducted into the Country Music Association Hall of Fame in 2008. Today, in 2021, the Stonemans will be inducted into the IBMA Hall of Fame and we are so fortunate to converse with two of the Stoneman kids. 83-year-old Ronnie, the family's banjo ace and comedienne, and 87-year-old Donna, the band's mandolinist, fiddler, and dancer. Katie Daly invites Ronnie and Donna to reminisce about the old days, and the sisters dig deep, very deep. Here are the Stonemen. So I wonder if you would start with wherever you want to start, but just talk a little bit about, I know your, your whole family played music. Yes, we did. <coughs> but I, I've been thinking what I was going to say to you. Okay. I'd say we started really, Daddy, you know, the people from Southwest Virginia moved into Washington, D.C. in the 30s looking for work. And in 1933, Daddy lost everything, so they moved. And to Washington, that's where I was born. Donna was born in Alexandria. Should you oh. speak up? Huh? Should you speak up? Oh, Donna was born in Alexandria. Which part of Alexandria? Because I lived over there for a while. Uh, at the hospital, but mm -hmm. we lived in Alexandria. I don't remember what history. But Mom and Dad did move from one place to an old place. Another Any place. Shrine. Another place. Until we landed at Mansion in Carville. Mansion. <laughs> oh, praise <laughs> the Lord. Yeah. And that was it. So it was one on you know, my older sister would know. Yeah, but she knew everything. But the thing of it was, it's the same story over and over. We tell it over and over, you know, because yeah. people ask us. The first time we was ever chased for an autograph was at Constitution Hall in 1946 or 47. And uh, I remember that. Do you remember that? Do I remember that? When they opened the doors and I had my first new shoes and Donna had her first new shoes. Billy was, in, my brother Billy was in the Pacific and he, you know, the war times and he sent uh, uh, mommy money to buy me and Donna a, a pair of patent leather slippers, our first new shoes. And we, when they opened the doors at the Constitution Hall, I thought, hey, that's a sliding door. I wouldn't, you know, we've been living at one room house. And we took off slide. I did 
sliding sideways because it, you know, I had new oh, shoes. All those marble floors. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yes. And Donna saved our life, we thought. And those I, was, I was always a babysitter. But you know, you had two rats on your hands. Jimmy and Take off and go this way and this way and this way. And Riley, I was always so inquisitive about everything. So she had to investigate. Everything. Chase her down was tough. Yeah, you did, Donna. And mm -hmm. you don't know how much I love you for that. Oh, you had why? to take care of me, and that was a trip. Because, you know, a lot of people say ADHD or whatever that is. Right. I had the whole alphabet. ADHD, <laughs> I had the whole thing. And it was quite an experience. But that particular time, you know, that's when Daddy, we won the contest. All right. Anyway, they opened the door and they said, here's the Stoneman family. We had that old truck that had bent bars and a cat. Daddy called it a tarpaulin. Mm -hmm. It was canvas, we always said. And he had it tied on these bars. He had the rumble seat. made. He made it into a place where he could carry his carpenter tools on each side. And the truck bed. He made a truck yeah, bed out of it. He made a truck bed. A bench on each side where he pushed to. And we would load up in it. Yeah. It looked like a covered wagon. That's what it was, a covered wagon. That's right. And no it. matter what weather, we were, we we were running there. It was way with the people as they go by. It's how cold as it could be. They always wanted to follow really us rich. to see what we were doing. <laughs> and Daddy made this great big old sign, which hung on it. On the side. And he chalked in. You know, it said, the Stoneman family appearing at, and then he chalked that in. Yeah. And that's, I'm telling you, it was the strangest thing to see us coming in town. Washington, D.C., you take it underwear. Daddy came home from work. He was a carpenter. He finally found a job. Now, see, I thought he was a plumber, so I'm glad you set no, me straight on a, that. No, no. We, we had outside plumbing. So we, we had outside plumbing. We sure were the <laughs> Wouldn't have done you any good. Yeah. And I fell into it up to here once. Oh, i got to tell you that story some other time. But there are so many stories, Pumpkin, I can't hardly think of which one you want. Why don't you go ahead with this one and tell how you met uh, Grandpa Jones. Oh, oh, Donna, you done gave it away. Anyway, they opened the door and said, here comes the Stonemans. Well, we all ran in like idiots, you know, just ching, like that. And Mama had a fiddle, but she said, Lord God, I'm going to lose every young and I got, which I thought I'd been her, I'd have kept my mouth shut. But anyway, she'd come hunting for me because I was sliding on that marble floor all the way down to the end from the door all the way down. I said, hey, this is fun. And I came in sideways, you know, like you do on a bicycle. Mm -hmm. And I had my new patent leather slippers. And I was, I seen this guy in the dressing room on the left. And the stage, the, the wings of the stage was on the right. You could see it right across. And I said, why is he... He was gluing his eyebrows on, and he was taking, you know how Maybelline used to have black Maybelline? Like yeah. And he was coloring, wait a minute, he was coloring this, and I thought, what in the cat hair? And I had that crooked eye, mm -hmm. you know. So anyway, my eye went to the wall. But anyway, I remember running down there and seeing that old man gluing. I said, why is he gluing it? And he looped, did his mustache. And I, got, I pushed a chair up there. The first dressing room I saw with big old bolts, you know, light bolts around. And I got up and I had that crooked eye. It was so funny now I think about it and it was really funny. But I got up and I stared at him just like this, you know, right in his face and wanted to know what he, <laughs> what he was doing. And he never said a word, never said one word. And I saw him put that white stuff on his mustache, he just glued on. And um, mom was hunting for me. 
she came down there and she said, Lord God, that's her favorite phrase. Lord God, get out of that and quit bothering that old man. And Grandpa Jones said, that's right, Miss Stone, I'll take care of her. That's my first experience. <laughs> and he was a very young man, wasn't he? Yeah, it? he was gluing his, gluing his mustache on. But but, something happened to him in the war or something, and it had this old voice when it came out, and I, I, I. so he played it up. That was good. I never heard that. That's cool. Huh. That's great. Uh, I heard it. Well, Very that was patriotic. a look that, that served him well, right? Yes, that right. And he grew into his act, just like the iron board lady. Mm -hmm. She could grow into her act, too, you know, that went on Yeehaw. Yeah. But anyway, we were... <laughs> was that for the Arthur Godfrey show? Oh, no, honey. That was... No, Arthur Godfrey show was not at Constitution Hall. It was in New York. Okay, that's right. Mm -hmm. Because uh, they, they took Jimmy it, uh, Dean up there from Washington. Jimmy Dean in Texas Wildcat, but right. Jimmy Dean went by himself. Right. But he had his okay. own show. He was on that later. Right. But anyway, a long time ago, when we were doing, Daddy came home from work and he said, Hattie, there is a contest going on at the Constitution <laughs> Hall. I was standing right beside Daddy, and I remember a whole lot. I don't where my purse is, I don't remember where I put it, but I remember everything in the past. I don't know why it's like that. But anyway, he came home and he sat there at the end of the table and said, Mama was popping beans on the table. We didn't have running water, so she was using the pan. And Daddy said, said that. There was a contest going on at Constitution Hall. And Dad, Mama said, well, Ernest, you think you can win it? And Daddy said, yeah. He said, she said, well, go across the creek and asked the boys, the older ones, they were married, got out of that one-room house, you know, you get married, just get away from the one-room house. Then you get back in it after you get married. But <laughs> back to the mutiny. He went over there, and they came back, and he was real sad. He was sitting there, and Mama said, what's the matter, Ernest? Just like that. Because you could tell by his face. And he said, the boys won't go with me, Hattie. He, she said, and why not? Mommy had spirit. And he said, she, he said, well, because they said my music was outdated and we play old hillbilly stuff. And they have electric instruments and they're going to get their friends and they go over there and win the contest. And it was Daddy who just He didn't go with them because his Daddy's music was old, you know, to them. They just thought they were going well, uptown now. Typical children. Yeah. What did you do the wrong thing? They know? needed a hickory stick, what they needed, uh -huh. but they were too big for that then. So anyway... Mama said they did, did they? Just like that, you know. And he said, yeah, they won't go, Hattie. She said, well, Ernest, when do you have to, we have to be there? And he said, two months. She said, well, get busy making the little one's instruments and we'll go and take the prize. This is the truth, okay? So, <laughs> so Mama said, we'll get the little ones. And every night, Daddy had come in from work with the neck carved out. Remember, he'd do it on his lunch break? carve out a neck for an instrument, and your banjo mandolin he made. Did he make that before? He the second. first mandolin was regular mandolin. But the boys wanted to play too, and Jimmy and Dean wanted to play mandolin. So, and they're older and better than I was, so Jimmy they, was. they got the chance to take it. But I couldn't get it until after they laid it down. So Daddy went and got another one. Instead of it looking like two mandolins, he thought a little banjo he had. Yeah, so it was a badger mandolin, but played the same. It played the same. It just looked better on stage. Right. Yeah, so that's what he did. But and how old were you? 
تعالى حول We oh, went yeah. down there, and then the people started chasing us. We didn't know what for after we played, you know. We won the contest. We get out there, and Mama bared down on that fiddle, and some old fella in the audience said, Swinger, Ma, Swinger! And she made Donna all the dress. Kids and those and all of us, they were picking. They were picking. Mm -hmm. I didn't play then. I was a little too busy looking at people. But anyway, we played, and then they tore the house down. And we won the contest, but we didn't know we won it. But you get television time if you won the contest. Right. Did you get any money? Not then. Uh, okay. No. I don't know if it was a contest and uh, money is concerned. If you get the I'm sure it was all that much if it was, and I'm sure Daddy already yeah. ended up. So, you know, and we won the contest that night. We did win. And my brothers, we was out there playing and people yelling for us and my brother standing in the wings they went to four bands prior to us the stoneman brothers okay then they said the stoneman family and my bro the audience went crazy it was really oh, i just thought that was where it's supposed to be you know my brothers and i remember them going out but i said well they get didn't get too good applause that's good i was happy but then i turned around and mama said come on let them in I wouldn't have done that. It was unfair. So they joined us. Can't so they joined us. Join. But we had a big family out there. And, mm -hmm. and one of the prizes was, I thought, oh, maybe I said off the record, um, Connie Begay. Right. He said he would go on television mm -hmm. and would be one, of, be one of the acts on there for how many weeks. And he would book us in the clubs that we could get into. Restaurants. Some places yes. where we could get into, like schoolhouses. Uh, that, that was a prize of the winner. Yeah. So we started going around doing that, you know, <laughs> playing for Connie the Gay. That's true. Connie the Gay was one of the founders, as I much later found out. He was CMA. CMA. Yeah. Oh, the competition, there's about 150 bands at Constitution Island. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Really a lot. And a, lot, I, a lot of good talent. All yeah. sorts of different music. Mm, well, in uh, a way, country, yes. Country mostly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're on television now every week. And Dinosaur, uh -huh. finally. And they would bring up. Guess from Grand Opry, Connie and you know, to yeah. show up. It was black and white, of course. All that. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's how they met Posh while he was yeah. doing there. He was, and Lula Bell Scotty was on there. Oh, that. I love Lula Bell yeah. Scotty. Mm -hmm. And Daddy always thought they were great because they could write and they were and I still remember the, the theme song. What's that? Oh. It's gay time, gay time, good old fashioned gay time. Time to go start the show, have a lot of fun. Yay! And that did you great. record that? Yes. Great. Did you really? I really did. It was uh, great. Harmonies are right on. Let's get it again. She never harmonized with me on that. I did just now. I said she never did. Well, you never did want to do it. Well, I didn't think it was an ongoing song for number one. I'm always, <laughs> I'm always interested. I know it's something that we're going to do. But on, on the shows, on especially the TV shows, Scotty was of age, he could stay after 10 o'clock. Then Jimmy and Ronnie had to get off yeah. before then. But we go to work. As if it was work. 
Get on yeah. your paper. Uh, it was a child. I know, child. We were labored to death. Yeah. Get out there and say and do better than we did at home. Mm -hmm. um, well, now, where did your uh, dancing start while you played the mandolin? I always was very, very energetic growing up. When mom would send me over across the hall, across the bridge, to get something from yeah, my brother Eddie or something. Always. We had a pavement in front of our house. So I'd get out there and I'd dance and twirl and twirl and dance. And now I got back in the house, I didn't do that because <laughs> I usually had to help with the housework. We had, uh, yeah. But I always did, was very, very energetic that way. And I didn't know I was going to develop in anything, but when we got started playing, Scotty said, Now, Donnie, when we played Soft Dog Blues, he said, When I put my hand on your hand, you start jumping. Twirling. So I was doing that, you know, and that, it, it was great. I love, love, love dancing. That's something I'm missing out. And then when I left to come to music, to get, when I gave my heart to Jesus and started doing gospel, <coughs> I left country music for 10 years. Uh, and I'll take that yeah. And what I missed most was dancing. <laughs> I really missed it. Well, you could dance. So, so I would go into church. grocery stores and then have piped in music. And I'd look and see if anybody's around, and I'd dance up all down the aisle, <laughs> trying to get my energy off. But uh, yeah, so that's. Just, just like just developed on stage. It kind of grew. I just took me back to Carver Hills, died. Usually I was just jumping and doing this and that. Yeah, you know. Remember, you said you wanted to be a tap dancer, and I wanted to be a toe dancer. Well, I did. You don't call it yeah. ballet. No, no. We didn't know that word. That was too educated for us. I would have passed to the fifth grade, but I married the principal. That doesn't <laughs> do make it that hard on you. And believe you me, I did once marry that. that True. But anyway, another story, another time. <laughs> Did your mom make your uh, stage clothes? Well, uh, sometimes she would out of a feed sack when we were really yeah. small. And I remember I, I did a tune, and this is really funny, I didn't know if it was going to call so much a stir, but I heard it called a stir. Uh, I recorded it because I was wanting something if somebody calls you up with your audience, and you know, something that they would recognize. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I told Ryan, I said, Ryan, I'm working up, um, back up in push. And I just put on the album. Yep. Well, I feel her. Didn't take much of it. I did it. Because Scotty hardly, I don't, he hardly ever played it. I'll get back to what But he did do a good thing. So anyway, uh, but then, because it was first called Rubber Dolly. Oh, because my mother, Ryan, you tell her. Yeah, you tell her. So anyway, mom, mom used to sing us. I was playing too, and there was a band behind me, and he had a fiddle player. And, uh, and I played on the double eagle. And he told me later, he says, that, That's a fiddle tune. I said, No, under the double eagle is not a fiddle tune. Because they didn't like me doing it back up and push. <laughs> but there's one thing that I. And, and I said, uh, John Philip Sousa wrote it. And I learned his music from school. And I said, Everybody, everybody you know, learned. He watched King, you know, and he was tired. 
So I knew then I was probably making ways to get a fiddle too, but I said, everybody can do anything they want if they want to. And we all about mom making dresses. So these little rubber dollies cost a dollar. And poor people would give them for the children. And she made it little dresses and a bonnet and all that. I said, we dearly love that. So that's a big, a big reason why I named it the Tearing on Rubber Dolly. So she could make us stuff. She used to make bonnets in, in the radio times then, yeah. way back. back in the and they would sell, she sold them over the radio. You know? so, yeah. And then, she, yeah, she was real good with the sewing machine. Oh, Sarah, you know your point in there? Oh, Tom wanted me to tell him, what was that, Tom? Um, about playing on the opera. Okay. We came down here the first time, Billy Barton brought us down. Remember? He's the one who oh, yeah, got us guess. down here on the Opry, on Hank Snow's portion of the show. Mm. And yeah, we, we got off in, on the, uh, in a downtown, you know, in the Ernest Tubb record shop. And Ernest Tubb <coughs> invited us on. and. We, hey, wow, we're down here, music outside, you could hear it. Yeah, like that was after we did the opera. Right. But anyway. So it was like his midnight show or something, uh, right? It was a midnight Yeah, after we did the opera. But Billy Barton, he was, he could sell a, a, a Eskimo ice, a ice cube. Yeah. He was really good. Mm -hmm. He had a, he had a way about him, really good. So he brought us to Nashville, and then we got to do the opera, Hank Snow's portion. We're standing there with Scott, anxious. Back and back and forth. And I'm getting there really give it to them, you know, like we could because we had been working the famous bar and grill. And we were there four nights, a, five nights a week, or was it six? No, I, I don't know, but that one time we were, we did this and, and everybody thought we were not going to do so good on that. But, but let me tell you, you get down there and we didn't have money for parking. And Daddy told the parking man, that darn it, we came all the way from Washington. We don't have any money to park it. Oh, bus, somebody brought us, Billy Martin got us the bus. And so they said, right over here, Mr. Stoneman, right over here. They said, real nice to us. So we get in there, and then we're anxious to get on. Scott is pacing back and forth with his fiddle, yeah. just doing this. Remember how he would do? He wanted an audience, that's all. I got a mirror at home that belonged to Mommy, even through the 30s, it got through, the, through Carmody Hills. And Scott, it was a mirror, an old mirror, and a two candle thing for candles on each side. Mm -hmm. And you say, Ron, I come here. I'm going to show you. You see in that mirror, there's audiences all over the world, even Europe, is in that mirror. Oh. And he, Donna, did you learn to play in that too, seeing yourself? Scott told me how. Yeah. He was looking he at himself and doing this. Yeah, he, he, and he says, see yourself. I said, you love yourself, we were, Scott. And, the one and he house. says, Donnie, he said, when you look into the mirror and you play, and you know what the audience is seeing. That's exactly right. right. something that you don't think they like, you quit. You bet. But that's very smart because, you know, in the, we like know. the for the ballet schools or anything, they, they all have mirrors for them to. But we didn't, we didn't know that. Well, he, he was in that. a one, we was in a one room shack. He had never done anywhere except some place to play with daddy or some restaurant. And then he would tell us that was an audience. So and I'll tell you how, how intelligent. Well, was. yeah. How, how much he knew about music and how he knew about people and the audience. He said, watch the audience, and if they get restless, that's when you stop. Get off. Yeah, he, You're boring them. Don't ever bore an audience. 
All right, so he's pacing back and forth. Yes. What happened when you okay. got on? And then Billy Barton comes over to us, and we're what, waiting. What and I'm seeing Earl Scruggs, me, seeing Earl Scruggs, my hero, my, oh, my hero, on the other side, and I'm staring at Scruggs, Earl, you know, and I'm just staring at him away across the, behind the curtain. And, uh, and he, well, anyway, and I knew that Scott was going to play the Orange Blossom special so fast that you couldn't even think at fast. And I thought, oh God, I'm not going to kick it off. And Donna would come in there. What was Hank Snow's portion of the show. So he calls us out. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you know, here they are. The Stoneman family. We get out there. We start playing. Scott told Donna. Now, Donna, when I hit that floor, don't you hold the mic down. Lay down the floor and play. Yeah, he'd play behind his back. I always tell the mic down. And Donna would hold the mic down for it, you know. But he said, we ain't worrying about this audience here. We can't touch the mic. We're not worrying about the audience here. Radio we, audience. We are worried yeah. about the radio audience. Mm -hmm. And if they hear them screaming, they'll say, what's going on down there? But we're going to leave our blood on the stage. We got 20 minutes in the standing so, ovation. So I, went, I didn't put the mic down too much. Because he wanted me to keep that. Yeah, he wanted to really go. Yeah, so. But he didn't want you picking it up. I haven't on that thing. It's never heard applause like that. No, we didn't. We never got applause like that. Like I didn't. But it was just really, really. It was the beginning of disaster for us because Hank Snow passed us as we, you know, coming off. And he had he didn't get to do but one little song. And he passed us and he said, Well, you won't hear from them anymore. You know how you could do. And that was the end of that. Until later, then they Bob Bean and Jack Clement and all they called them in and one of the Stomans on the Opry. And I didn't know about it. The family didn't know about it, but they told them no, they make more money on the road. Friday and Saturday nights on the road. You see, made money. You only made $60 or so on the Opry. Hmm. So they wanted us to get on the road and make money for their pocket. That's my opinion. But what's that amongst millions? We were, <laughs> we were, we were named the Bluegrass Chance by Sam Bonstein. You put the band together and named it. And, and that, so everybody found out we got a chance to go on and grab uh, uh, What's his name? Arthur Godfrey Show. But we needed Talent Scout. And I says, does you Sam? I said, he put us in here? <laughs> Sam bought me my first dress, told me to go, he gave me money to go buy a dress. So, Cause I looked too bad. So he put us in, and we were the bluegrass <laughs> champs then. Right. Played all over oh. Tennessee. We kept that name because we built up a, a following. And, uh, but when we came to Nashville, Jack Clemens started recording us. He says, well, you're a little more too than bluegrass. You're that, but you're bluegrass. Uh, so he says, we got to rename you. So they sat around and thought, name them the Stonemans because there's a whole bunch of them. It was at that time, Rod, Rod had came in, Van had come in. Yeah, with us. they hired me. And yeah. uh, so it didn't work called Stoneman family because it sounded gospel. <laughs> we heard anything but gospel. But we had too many, five different yeah. bands going in different so, directions in DC. So that, that's how we yeah. called the Progressives. We called him one. Sam, Sam uh, called us that because Scott would get in every contest, get us in a contest, and most of the time we'd win, especially Scott would. Yeah. And so like, he, Sam Bonson thought it was a good, a good name. And it was because they'd won a lot of the contest. 
I remember the first time I was on stage by myself. We did a few little recordings on that name, but it wasn't like Star Days recordings. Yeah, they were good. You know, but everything Star Day did, they would say they wrote it, and it was York. And I asked Chet Atkins. I said, Chet, who's York? He's not. Who's York? And he said, That's Star Day. What's his name? Don. Don. Don Pierce was York, and he even took. Scott did the Orange Blossom special. He called it Orange Blossom Breakdown and claimed it. And put it on the other side. He didn't what, know what how side to was the Orange Blossom special. He put it on the other side and called it Orange Now, this Blossom is where education should have came into our life. <laughs> but it didn't. <laughs> we is, just, okay, we jumped. This is real funny. He yeah. said, I was going to play some, somebody. I don't love nobody. nobody yeah, loves me. I was going to do that in Samara. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of new and recording. And Scott said, Donnie, if you change it and call it something else, you'll surely get it on there. So, so about five minutes later, instead of going to F, I went to G. <laughs> I called the girl from Galax, though. Yeah. I called the girl from Galax because Mom loved her hometown Galax, Virginia. And uh, every time she was around, she'd say, Donnie, would you play the girl from Galax? Even though it used to be the other one, you know. I don't love nobody, nobody. Yeah, so I swear yeah. girl from Gay Lives came off. Well, I didn't know that. Well, I'm I told them myself. Oh, okay. But you that's all <laughs> right, everybody else does it. Do you realize how many people got on there that York how many songs he wrote? You know, in we a few go. hours we you're gonna go. be inducted into the Bluegrass Hall of Fame. We gotta go. No, you don't have to leave, but what are, I'd have to know, what are you wearing? How many sequins? What you see is that's what you got. No sequins. I cleaned up. I, I, I was going to wear this. She wasn't going to wear this. I, and I said, Ronnie, that's you. Well, now, you recently did a, uh, I guess a few years ago, an album with Tom Minty. Oh, yes. Let's so, talk about yeah, that. Tom too. came, oh, honey, he worked so hard with me. I looked like, I acted like I'm dying, but I was sick. But Tom was always been nice to the Stonemans, and I'm not saying it because he's sitting over there. Because truth is truth. Some folks don't like the truth, but they want to hear the truth, but they don't like it. But Tom Menty was so good. He was nicer, I swear. He was nicer to the Stonemans than any other person we ever had on our side. I don't doubt that. I promise He's you. He's been nice to he, a lot of people. Well, he, yeah. I know it. Yes. He belongs in the Hall of Fame. He does. Yeah, he does he really does. Look how many bluegrassers he encouraged and recorded. Well, I'm thrilled. I'm going to be out there in about the third row. And oh, you are. You're going to hear me cheering for you. You are my daughter. Praise the Lord. We, we, thank yeah, you. we need you to cheer <laughs> for us. Don't hit me with one now. You can cheer all you want. No, I will be cheering. And all of Washington, <laughs> even though you she moved away it. so long ago, you're such a huge part of Washington history. So you still live there? I still live there. And, oh, I'm going to come and visit. So many, so many people. You know, we're influenced by you, and um, and I think uh, Bill Emerson said he was a little too young to get inside, so he'd have to stand outside and had swinging doors, a jukebox, and a bar stool, and uh, <laughs> he could see just as no until the door closed, and then he'd look again when yeah. the door opened and stuff. He so. was he was nice looking and played the banjo superbly, mm -hmm. you know. But we when we did that banjo meltdown with Tom Menty and D, was right out of D.C. I, I, he was up there. He's serious, you know. He's serious as a heart attack when it comes to music, which is supposed to be fun and joyous, 
no matter if you're great or not. But anyway, I, he would come to the house with Scott. So did Charlie Waller. Mm. Charlie Waller learned to play the guitar from Scott in the basement, in the dirt floor. Mm. Yeah, he'd come in from, he was, Charlie Waller would come from high school or something, from some school, and he would come in and Scott would take him downstairs, they'd play right on Daddy's old bed in that dirt floor in that basement. Hmm. Charlie Waller, and that is the truth. So did John Hall, learned to play the fiddle, and he was trying to, in that one room shack, he was at by the table and Scott trying to teach him. <laughs> Scott taught a lot of people how to play. That's how he met Jack Leonard, who later on yeah. came up producer. Yeah, it came to a downfall of us. <laughs> really? Well, not a fall. He brought his way up. He just dropped us too soon. No, he gave us crummy songs to record, Donna. Oh, I loved them. What? The heads of golden hair. You know, and play that as a ukulele. Now, are you playing tonight? Oh, yeah, we're going to play. We're going to play. We're going to play good. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, I told, told Donna, I said, oh, got to tell you this story. We're in Oklahoma. Picture this. Oklahoma. Tulsa, time to go on stage. All right, we waited. We went down and we drove all the way. Janet Jay said, I'll pay for it. We'll pay for the, because Scott's going in the Fiddler's Hall of Fame. Okay, we were happy about that. And so we waited for her. I told her at the picnic, of hee haw picnic. I said, she came to me and said, I remember standing there, Donna, you're right beside me. She says, I want you and Donna to come and accept the award for Scott. And so, I said, well, you you write me a letter and tell me what it's all expected of us to do, and we'll do it. She says, I'll fly you in. We'll pay for it. Okay, fine. And you're staying at the Sheridan. Okay, fine. I didn't hear anything, nothing from Janet Jay. So the next day or so, I looked on the computer, and we were advertised to do a show there at the big uh, auditorium for, it's a jazz auditorium there in Tulsa, but, you know, a lot of people in the country goes there and they were having that fiddle thing. So we, we had to go because they, and, you know, when you advertise, you ought to do your job. I told you not to go. I know, but we fixed your wagon, John. <laughs> I mean, Tom. Yeah, they loved us there. Oh, let me tell you. Oh, yeah, the Lord blessed us. No. Yeah, Donna would say that, but honey, they didn't even come and acknowledge us sitting there, and they told us to be there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It took us an hour and a half to get into the hotel when they supposed to have the rooms ready for us. Remember that, standing there. That's what I'm saying. Everybody got the sound check. Everybody got the pick. Me and Donna sitting there. She was being a nice little southern girl and with their manners. And then my niece, Sandy, Scott's daughter, is playing the guitar with us today. Anyway, so here we are, and I don't see Jana, I don't see anybody, they had us sitting there. After 2 o'clock, they told us to be there at 2 for a rehearsal. Everybody got a sound check but us, and they not even acknowledging us, not even saying, you know, we're so-and-so, and you got to do this, or you do that. All right, well, it came time for us, and then they said, well, you have to be back here by 5 o'clock, we can't give you a sound check because it's too late now. So we go back to the hotel. We did get into the hotel, thank you. But we go back to the hotel and we get dressed all over again, trying to kind of look my best. And Donna fixing her hair and everything. We go back. They still ain't even acknowledge us. 
that had coffee. You know, they had tablecloths on all the tables, and they had people lining up getting their food. I saw one guy. He looked like he had some sense. You know, he had a three-page suit on. Nice, tall, middle-aged man. I went over and I said, "I need to talk to you." <laughs> and I told him what Janet Jay. I ain't seen her. Hadn't heard from her, nothing. She was supposed to call me. But anyway, so then they called for us to go up on the stage. You know, Ronnie and Donna Stoneman, Scott Stoneman's, you know, had the, his, his uh, children, two of his daughters were there. And I called, I called them because I thought they should get something of their fathers. And uh, so we waited and waited and finally we got up there and I went to the, <laughs> He went through. I was aggravated by then. He said he'd take care of it, okay? The tall man I was talking to. So we get out there and I say, gang, I look out among the congregation, and I said, because they treated us like we were old and couldn't play, and you don't do that to a bluegrass picker. I don't care if they're crawling. You don't, you don't treat them like they're old. You dig my drift on that? Don't ever think a bluegrass picker is going to be old if he can walk or crawl. Okay, well that kind of aggravated me. So I get up there and I say, gang, we are, we're going to work hard for you, every one of you, but we're old now and our fingers are not as agile. So if any of you all hear a sour note or a muffled note, please excuse us. And I said, hit it, Donna. <laughs> I didn't even tore the house down. And the man, Janet yeah, Jay came to me, remember that? Yeah, we got a standing ovation. Because when I said, we're old now and our fingers are not as agile, the audience went, oh. And that was Katie Daly talking with Ronnie and Donna Stoneman of the Stonemans, IBMA's 2021 inductees into the Hall of Fame. If you're at all curious about the Stonemans and want to learn more and listen to the Stonemans, there are plenty of videos and audio available on YouTube. Just search for the Stonemans. Bluegrass Stories is hosted on SoundCloud.com and can be streamed on SoundCloud, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and katydaily.com. As always, thanks for listening to Bluegrass Stories. Mm-hmm.